0: This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith, spiritual insight, practical wisdom.
1: Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time.
2: Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host. Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams, absolutely delighted and happy to be with you on this Wednesday in the Lord. Note that I said it was a Wednesday in the Lord, and I do that intentionally because today is Wednesday, and that means it is Wacky Wednesday. Sue Brickman is with us. We've got all kinds of things to discuss. You know these phone lines get very, very busy when Sue is with us, so I want to invite you to, right now, plan to give us a call and I would say call early I would say don't delay call right away we want to hear from you today and we can get to you Promise you that we can get to you if you call early in the program. 833 288 EWTN. That's 833 288 3986, is the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live, where we do love having holy conversation with you. I am so excited about so many things that are happening, so many good things that are available for us today, Uh, all kinds of uh, activities that help for us to live that abundant life and in our Lord Jesus Christ, no matter our state in life. And I do want to let you know that Jack and I are going to be in Boca Raton Florida on February the 3rd for an absolutely fantastic marriage retreat. We are going to be at St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church right there in Boca. It's going to be uh, just a one-day event. It's going to begin at 8 in the uh, morning. I think it concludes at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, it might be 3 p.m. It's right in that time frame, however. But I can tell you they're going to be power-packed hours. They really are. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things. Uh, obviously, we know the state and condition that marriage is regarded by our society today, by our culture today, and we are going to talk about why that is, but what we can do about it, and and, and the fact that our marriage is to be a sign and a witness. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about that from the overall spiritual theological perspective But we will be honing on ways in which we can practically live that out, ways in which we can enrich our own marriages, marriages that they might be a sign and a witness to others. So I'm really encouraging you to join us for that event if you are in the Florida area. All of the information is right there at our website, womenofgrace.com. You simply need to just get out there and you can read it and uh, join us. And, and and you know, I, I just really think that, uh, you know, sometimes we think about vocations, right? There's so many uh, different ways in which we can live our life according to God's plan and will for us. And you take the priesthood and there's all of these years of preparation for the priesthood. You take religious life and there's all of these years for the, uh, for the, uh, the beautiful uh, development and formation that goes into that vocation. But when it comes to marriage, what do we settle for? A weekend retreat? What do we settle for? Maybe a few months of instruction through evenings for the engaged, all of which are fine programs. My point being is it's not sufficient. They're not sufficient. And so especially in a day and time when marriage is under such attack, we need to look for ways to enrich our marriage, to enrich our life together as husband and wife, a real symbol of of, of the love of the father for the son and the son's love for the father that spirates the Holy Spirit. Uh, Married life is meant to be a Trinitarian witness in the world. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But then how is it that we kind of put legs to that beautiful reality and begin to live it in our lives what are the four characteristics of, of what ma- uh, life a, a life of love for one person should look like what are the things that mitigate against that how is it that we can resolve them some of the things that that, uh, that we're going to talk about I think are going to uh, really be deeply enriching but also enlightening and might I say encouraging and finally uh, introspective they're going to help for us to see Well, where is it that I can begin uh, to enter more deeply into the great reality of marriage so that that can be brought to bear in my marriage and we can be that sign and that witness that God is asking us to be in our day and time? So I'm encouraging you to join us. Uh, That again is February the 3rd. We are going to be at uh, St. John the Evangelist Catholic Church right there in Boca Raton, Florida. Thriving in marriage in a post truth culture is the theme. And as I said, it does begin at 8 a.m. in the morning. And it ends. Ah, uh-huh, I'm seeing that it ends Saturday at five thirty p.m. So it's a little longer, which is great because I just love to talk, as you well know. <laughs> so I know it's going to be a wonderful time. So join us for that event, and then I want to talk with you just for a moment about something that's going to be airing on EWTN this Saturday evening. Uh, you know. We see and we experience uh, the the misery uh, of of the state of affairs caused by abortion. And there's going to be a really tremendous uh, documentary that's going to be airing uh, Saturday evening, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on EWTN. The title of it is Saving a Miracle, Raw Stories from the Heart. Saving a Miracle, Raw Stories from the Heart. Uh, And I think that this is going to ignite uh, the hearts of all of the viewers to come to the forefront and face what we've allowed in our culture and in our society today. But there is an emphasis on men. And it's interesting to me because uh, when we think about this, you know, we see that so many of the outreaches uh, regarding abortion are targeted to the women, but what about the men who have participated? So we're going to, th- this beautiful documentary digs deeply into that, and we're going to experience the testimonies of several different men. And may I say, one of those men is my son-in-law, and uh, he shares his story from the heart uh, and and the, the way in which God has worked in his life and healed him, uh, now the father of of Abraham, um, eight children, seven of whom are, are, biological. Uh, but you know, God works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purposes. So this is going to be a very healing moment, a very beautiful moment, uh, for those who watch and see. And for those who have not experienced, uh, abortion within the context of their own personal lives or their family lives, uh, I think it's going to, uh, encourage even a greater response from them towards those who have. But in addition to that, uh, to, uh, Put a fire in their hearts to uh, continue to move forward in this cause for life, respecting life from the moment of conception until natural death. So, I encourage you to watch that. It's going to be, as I say, just an absolutely uh, beautiful opportunity uh, for people to come together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to experience through the witness and testimony of others, um, a deepening consideration for that which we hold to be self-evident, that everyone is entitled to life, right? Uh, From the moment they're conceived until natural death. So looking forward to all of those beautiful things coming up. But looking forward to hearing from you today, and so I'm encouraging you to give us a a call here, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 288 398 Six. Uh, just pick up the phone. Give us a call. Uh, Matthew Gubenski is our call screener. Ace McKay is our producer today. We've got the ace man in charge behind all of those levers and all of those switches and all of those buttons. And he's keeping us on the air today, and we're most grateful for that. I uh, also want to let you know that you can use a social media, EWTN uh, Radio's uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page is there for you, a chat feature in each. We invite you to use that. That chat feature to put your question, comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement in there, and we will be sure to retrieve it, get it up on the board, and we'll be able to address it. So all of that being said is what we are about today right here on a Wacky Wednesday with Sue Brinkman, who is going to be with us just on the other side of this break, encouraging you to join us uh, today by giving us that call at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 2883986 we're going to be right back stay with us Well, there you hear it, folks. <laughs> yes, you do. That lets you know that this is a wacky Wednesday right here on Women of Grace Live. And we're looking forward to hearing from you with your questions for Sue Brinkman, inviting you to give us a call at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 288 eight three39. 86 Just pick up the phone and give us a call. We want to hear from you today. Sue is here to answer your questions. I'm here to lend my two cents to it all, too, uh, and we are going to get started. We've got some callers right away, Sue, so I'm going to ask you all to hold for just a moment because, Sue, you have some information you want to share with us about some of the, you know, strange, heretical, wacky things that we see taking place in our day and time. Even, I have to say, unfortunately, and, and with heartbreaking concern within the church. I know this is terrible. This is a terrible story.
1: Um, a Peruvian woman, she, she calls herself a visionary. Her name is Erica Serrano. She's on a podcast with a bunch of Peruvian actresses called Women of the PM. That's the name of the, of the podcast. And she talked to these people about how to use a consecrated host in a purification ritual and to ward off toxic people. And here's what she says. She says, you have to immerse it and put a host, holy water in the same cup, just like that. You submerge the photo of the person. You pray to that person and you go to the church. Now it's your sacrifice. And if you ask him for the host, if he doesn't give it to you in your hand, well, remove it from your mouth.
2: Oh dear. Heavens. Then she goes
1: on. Oh, it gets worse. But I'm, Going to tell you, try to do this on not to do it on Sunday, but on Saturday, because on Sundays one has to receive what it should be. So in other words, do this blasphemous desecration thing some other day of the week. Just don't do it on Sunday, um, in order to ward off toxic people. And this country, Peru, is 76% Catholic, so you can tell how this went over, uh, like a lead balloon. Um, it was met with a complete outrage. The bishops were furious about it. They called it deplorable, reprehensible. Um, it said because it used the blessed sacrament and superstitious rituals that contradict and relativize the experience of faith and commitment to Christian life. And this is why the president of the Peruvian Bishop's Conference, who said that. And he called upon all the priests in the country to defend the Eucharist, teach their flocks how to defend it from these kind of acts. Because here's this woman out there who's probably very well-known. She she considers herself to be a visionary. Vision about what? I don't know. But, you know, and he's saying teach people how to understand when something is being done to the Eucharist. That's sacrilegious because a lot of people don't even know in some cases. But this woman did something very grave. Um, Father Louis Gaspar, he holds a doctorate in, in canon law. He warned on X that he said they're promoting sacrilege inducing people to go to mass, take the consecrated host in their hands to take it home to do this ritual, and even advises that if the priest gives it to you in your mouth that you take it out and keep it. And that's grounds for excommunication to do that according to canon law. You can't throw away the consecrated species or for a sacrilegious purpose, take it away or keep it. So, well, there's I mean,
2: so many there's so many levels here okay. that are problematic. Okay. I mean, I think one of the very biggest areas is it shows a lack of catechesis. People have not been instructed, right. and here we are in this Eucharistic revival uh, here in the United States of America, uh, and and I do believe that that this is uh, you know outside of the United States as well, where we are to be seeking ways in which we can invigorate our own spirituality, our own respect, our own love for the eucharistic presence of our lord but so many people have not been catechized as to the fact that this is truly the body blood soul and divinity of our lord jesus christ that is problematic and so i want to encourage everyone listening today if you have an issue if you don't understand if some of this sounds uh, in your ear to be uh, you know just like you know pious language as opposed to uh, factual language according to our lord's own words I want to encourage you to read about the Eucharist in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, to be responsible for your own education. If you're parents, I want for you not to assume that the children— are getting the full range of what it is that they need, uh, whether they're in Catholic school or if they're going to CCD classes or religious education classes, uh, if they're in public schools, uh, you have to assume this responsibility yourself. The second thing that is very upsetting about this, Sue, is the fact that uh, we don't have proper monitoring in churches. Now, of course, I've seen this here in the United States it has to be the same in Peru if, in fact, somebody can uh, you know, basically steal the, 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 the sacred species for uh, an illegitimate and blasphemous use. The, the, and this is why I really am a proponent of receiving our Lord on the tongue. I know we're permitted to receive him in the hand. I'm not saying that we're not. I prefer to receive him on the tongue. There has to be proper monitoring. The host has to be consumed in front of the person who distributes the host. So if it's the priest, he needs to make sure that it's in the mouth of the person. If it is a Eucharistic minister, that person needs to make certain that the individual consumes the host. Uh, Because this, this gives rise to these kinds of things. The last thing I want to say, we know... That uh, it, 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 Satanists will try to steal a consecrated host because it's necessary to have a black uh, the, a consecrated host, rather, for a black mass. And so they profane okay. and blaspheme the host. This woman is doing no less than that.
1: Exactly, exactly. and and Father Caesar uh, Valdivia, he's the pastor of a local parish in Lima, Peru, um, he said that uh, what she's doing is witchcraft. Yes, witchcraft, no matter what she wants to call it. Um, And he said what disturbs him about it is that they've always known, priests have always known that people do this, wizards, witches, but always clandestinely and and in secret. It's the first time he said that from what I can see, this abuse is now encouraged in public by this woman. And he goes on to say, he says, hey, there's no good pious white witches or wizards that are compatible with our faith. You know, you notice how the lady even says you have to do it, steal the host, but not on Sunday. Because on Sunday, you'd have to take communion like a good Catholic. He said people get confused by that. It's piety or goodness on a hook to believe that everything else will be fine. This is a deception. Um, He said every sorcerer or witch, white, black, brown or fuchsia, works with their witchcraft against God, whether she herself knows it or not. She yes. induces us into a mortal sin and opens the doors to the action of the devil in our lives. And I agree with you 100% about a communion on the tongue. And, yes, I do recognize that we can do it uh, in the hand. However, being an extraordinary minister, it's very difficult to monitor that. You have people coming up to you, and, you know, many people will receive in the hand, and then they step aside. Mm-hmm. And they, can, they, they pause for a moment, and they consume it. You don't really have the time to watch you're really kind of relying on, on your peripheral vision there to make sure that person's actually ingesting the host. And it's very easy for a person to just take it in his hand and then walk away. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you just don't see that because you have one person right after the other coming at you for the blessed sacrament. Yeah. Um, so it's very difficult to see that it's much easier when it's on the tongue. But I would say out of a hundred people who come to receive communion, from me, I'm just using that as a ballpark number. Let's say out of 100 100 people, I would say that eight of them, uh, 80 or uh, 80 of the people, take it in the hand. Very few take it in the mouth. Well, yes, Very and few. that's
2: because we're permitted to do it, and and I'm not suggesting that we ought not to be. But then there has to be, I think, some kind of of instruction from the pulpit that says, now, if you're going to receive in the hand you put that you 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 receive you you receive the sacred house and you place jesus in your mouth in front of the eucharistic minister we fall victim to expediency sometimes you know we got to move these people out we've got to clear the parking lot we've got to get the next group in for mass and and, yeah. and in in for the sake of saving a few moments we risk the the blaspheming the host you know, so anyway it's a personal preference i know i you know i have received on the tongue I, you, there are occasions when uh it might be necessary to receive on the tongue but i excuse me in the hand but i prefer to receive on the tongue uh and you know, I agree with you, Sue. That 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 has become it's very that hard. Has become it's the hard. way to do it, and especially here in the United States. Now, Jack, uh, you know, uh, is is reminding us that many parishes have sentinels in lace. Uh, to make sure everyone consumes, including the chapel at EWTN. And I think that that's very, very good. So, you know, the Eucharistic minister, uh, you know, uh, uh, distributes and gives the the sacred species. And then maybe there's somebody else stationed beside him that makes sure that the person consumes it. And that's another way to handle that, just to make sure. Of course, you can't. If somebody takes Jesus out of their mouth, what are you going to do? You know, you can only be responsible for so much. Even if you receive on on the tongue, that can happen. I wish
1: all parishes had that because it is very difficult. And we've had occasions here um, when our our parish was actually threatened um, by uh, somebody who said they're going to come there and they're going to take the host. Yes. Um, And we were like nervous wrecks that whole weekend at the masses. We were nervous wrecks. Like, how are we going to watch all this? We have hundreds of people. And that's a wonderful thing. (laughs) Hundreds of people who come to mass. How to watch that, um, to see if everybody, and we were given instructions about that, how important it is to make sure they ingest it, they don't put it in their pocket, and still, when the cleaning people will go into the church from from time to time, they'll find a host somewhere, Mm. um. You know, it still happens like that, and you just wonder. I don't know. It's 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 a very difficult situation. It truly is. When you're an extraordinary minister, you kind of wish they would take it on the tongue, just for the sake of protecting the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, if for nothing else, just for that sake. But um, uh, and uh, but uh, you're right. Everybody does. You are permitted to do it. And it is a personal preference. It should stay that way. But um, just to be mindful of the fact that it is difficult for to to this this situation can happen. I think a lot easier because yeah. of it.
2: Yeah, I think so too, and I mean, really, churches have ushers. The uh, you know, the ushers can kind of assume a certain role in that. There's ways to overcome it, and and let me just say, yeah, I do protective measures in place. But uh, all of that being said, this this is awful, and it just goes to show that uh, what we have to be aware of is we're out there on social media and things of this nature. When people are saying such things, you know, it would be a good idea to send them a corrective. We do have an obligation as lay faithful to try to educate and to, I want to assume the best of this woman that she doesn't know, <laughs> you know, I, I would prefer to think that. Yeah you right but somebody has got to inform her and uh, certainly i hope that the priest that you referenced has done that 833-288-EWTN that's 833-288-3986 is the way that you can join us live here on women of grace live we're crazy to hear from you we want to hear from you today also out there on social media for you uh that is EWTN radio's youtube channel and facebook page simply use the chat feature to put in your question comment insight inspiration or word of encouragement. Hey, Sue, do you have anything else for us before we head to the phone lines here? Well, I did have
1: one. Uh, this was a letter that we got from from someone. This is very disturbing, uh, but it also enables us to teach a good lesson here about why you should never, never use Eastern meditation in the place of, of Catholic prayer. This was a woman who said that her husband took up mindfulness meditation and he got involved in body scan meditation. Um. And that's a, the that's a thing where you, you uh, sit there and you concentrate on each part of your body and you just focus on it. Um, it's one of the meditation techniques that's taught by, it, it's very, it's Buddhist, it's, it's a Buddhist practice. And you just notice all the parts of your body that are like, say, in contact with the floor. And to, you use that as a, in a way to identify areas of tension that you might have like in your jaw or your neck. And it's all about you, it's all about you. <laughs> but anyway, this family used to, used to pray together and all of a sudden he decided to start skipping the family prayer time and he was going upstairs and he was doing this instead. And she tried to say to him, look, this is, you know, you should be praying with us. This is more restful and that. And he said, no, that's not his experience and, and told her to leave him alone. Um, and she, she, she wrote to us and she said, I'm concerned about the Buddhist roots of this and how it might be impacting him, not to mention what he is missing out on in terms of, of his prayer life and wonder, you know, what can I tell him about this? Well, the kind of prayer that he's describing here is incredibly self-centered practice. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and I don't really necessarily mean that as selfish, but self-centered in the fact that it's it's centered on yourself and not on God. You know, that's not why Christians pray is to relax. We don't <laughs> pray for that reason. You know what? The, I mean, that's what the Easterners do, and they don't call it prayer. They don't say that they're praying over there. This is just what they're they're meditating. That's what they say over there. But, you know, we pray to make contact with the living God, to dialogue with him. We don't meditate to become aware of ourselves and how we feel. If God wants to reveal that to ourselves, you know, during the course of our prayer, and he very often does do things like that, that's great. But that's not why we go to prayer. And you can see now. What happened here in this situation, Uh, this man obviously wasn't well catechized in in Christian prayer and just felt like, oh, you know, they're doing their prayer and I want to just do mine. And I'm going to do this instead because it's more relaxing to me, not realizing really what Christian prayer is, is that dialogue effect and that being in touch with God. Uh, So it was very disturbing uh, to get that and, and to see, you know, here he was giving away this precious time with his family. Exactly. And, and it's really, it's sad. And the Spanish bishops, they actually wrote, uh, they issued a statement about it. This was maybe three years ago now that they wrote that statement. But he said that this type of self-centered prayer, it doesn't lead to God. Mm-mm. They, said, they said in the statement, they said, our pace of life marked by activism, competitiveness, and consumerism generates emptiness, stress, and anguish. And in this situation, many people are resorting to methods of meditation and prayer that originate in religious traditions outside Christianity in response to a growing demand for emotional well-being. But they say a spirituality understood as cultivation of one's interiority and self-discovery
2: doesn't lead to God. So he's
1: actually leading himself away.
2: Yeah, Back and you can joined. you can you can see the reality of that in the fact that he isolates himself from the family. What once was a family activity, having family prayer, which is such a good wholesome thing to do, he's taking him out of the family now to uh, do something that is all about him. And that is, I think, a living expression of what it is that you're saying. If you just look at the fruit of that from that perspective, Uh, you know, and it's so very sad. Now, that's not to say that we don't have a private prayer time. We should. But praying together as a family, I think, engenders that that spirit of being bonded by God's own love um, as a unit and we've got so much attack on the family today what could be better than praying together as a family to strengthen that family bond and this man is abdicating that so and you know there's so much more that could be said about that sue just about the uh semi-addictive nature of these things because of of the endorphins and the uh, dopamine and all that that's secreted um through those practices and there becomes a an interior hunger and desire for that that's what's causing that peacefulness well we got to go to a break we're going to come to the phone lines when we come back and i'm hoping to see you there along with everybody else that's there already 833-288-EWTN That's 833-288-3986 That's the number for you to use toll free right here in North America EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page is available for you too We're coming right back It's a Wacky Wednesday with Sue Brickman Stay tuned Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams. Very happy to have you with us today. Sue Brinkman is with us. Why? Because it is Wednesday. And what is Wednesday? It's a wacky Wednesday. And we are so, so happy that you are joining us today. I want to give a shout out to the fellow that I met in the grocery store in Palm Harbor, Florida, who came up to me, Sue, and said that He loves listening. He listens every day, but he loves Wacky Wednesday with Sue Brinkman. And I said, oh, I know. I love it, too. I said, we have a good time. He says, I can tell. (laughs) I said, we're kind of two wacky women (laughs) on Wednesdays. So a shout out to that gentleman.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Who would have thought we'd end up with
2: this theme song that we have now, that creepy song.
1: Every time I hear it, it makes me laugh. I I It makes me laugh, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know, Sue. Somehow, you know, it's become synonymous with you and me. (laughs) So what can I say about that? Well, listen, are you ready to go to the phone lines? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to Amy right away. She is a first-time caller calling us from Western Colorado, listening on iHeartRadio. And here is the welcome bell for you. When you call in, friends, if you're a first-time caller or if you're out there uh, in social media land and you're a first-time submitter, let us know and I'll ring my bell for you too. Good morning to you, Amy.
0: Good morning. Yeah, I'm calling about my husband. He is uh, Native American, and he's got it in his head he can predict the future. And I don't know the nicest way to explain to him that I don't believe in his predictions. (laughs)
2: Have, Have any of his predictions come true?
0: The only one that has come true so far is he told me my cancer wouldn't come back, and it hasn't come back. But other than that, no, they usually don't. And I sprinkled his side of the bed with holy water because he's not baptized. And, and But still, I don't know how to explain to him nicely that I don't believe in
2: his predictions. Okay, so yeah. what do you say?
1: Well, I mean, that's just... That's just... A very touchy situation, there, isn't it? But you know, th- what concerns me is—is is how is he getting these? Is he—is he directly invoking spirits in order to—to to get this divination? That's—that's that's kind of what I would like to know a little bit more about. Like, what's his method of div- of divination? How is he—how uh, is he getting this? Um, because if it is invoking of spirits and that sort of thing, then he—he th- he really, you need to ask him to please stop. Especially, are you Catholic? Yes, I'm Catholic, Amy? but he. He's not baptized,
0: and he says he gets these okay. by dreaming in his dreams.
1: Okay. So, yeah, and and that's very, very susceptible to demonic uh, intervention there uh, in dreams. Uh, he really needs, I think, perhaps to read up a little bit more on what divination is and where it's coming from, and maybe that'll turn him off when he sees that, hey, this is this is what the devil does. He tries to trick you into thinking that—because he doesn't know the future either. The devil doesn't. But he can all, always— instill these kind of thoughts into people's heads that they have some kind of power. And for one reason or another, they, they, they want that power. They feel like they need that power. Um, this could be something that, y- you know, you might want to delve into with him too. Is it, what is it that makes you feel like you need to do things like this? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you even pay attention to these dreams? We all have dreams like that from time to time. I don't really put much stock in them. I never put stock in them as a matter of fact. Um, but so they're coming to him through dreams. Yeah. That's something that, um, that would definitely be concerning. Uh, but to, how to tell him in a nice way that, hey, I don't believe it, I would just tell him, sorry, dear, but I, I don't believe that. I don't need to believe that. Um, when
2: I need to know anything about my life in the future, I go to God.
1: And he guides yeah. me. It, 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 it,
2: it, one of the things, too, that that you know I want to just mention here is that there's a great difference between This kind of a thing, which we could even, I guess, maybe categorize in a certain way, Sue, as clairvoyance and the gift of prophecy. Um, You know, and and we have to be very careful with trying to look at our dreams and interpret them according to some kind of what we want to believe is an extraordinary gift. Um, Obviously, his his Native American religion could have something to do with this and I, I would want to ask you if you've if you've explained to him about your God the one true God and if you've explained to him that these kinds of occurrences and, and the prediction of the future uh, belongs to God alone and if God wants to communicate that he will but he typically uh, chooses individuals that have been living a life of faith and belief in him as the one true God. You know, so I, I think that I, I would try to use this as an opportunity to uh, perhaps instill within him a desire for a conversion, you know? Um, obviously, I don't know the inner workings of your marriage or how sensitive he would be to something like that, but uh, if, if he feels as though this is something that is specific to him, then... And he might want to try to develop that gift and then he could get into serious trouble.
1: Yeah, that's where he could go really off the rails because mm-hmm. uh, that's not going to lead to a good place, especially no. if the kind of, of divination he's doing is is invoking spirits of some kind. You know, does he ever go to bed at night and and ask, uh, you know, put put forward a request to the powers that be that he that he believes in and to say you know you know speak to me tonight tell me something about my my wife will her cancer come back i mean if he's doing stuff like that you know that could be you know very dangerous for him spiritually because uh, mm-hmm. you know, spirits spiritually attached to him they'll attach to him once you give once you open the door you've given them permission to be there and they're going to stay until someone yeah. with authority gets rid of them
2: and yeah. and it, it just uh, you know the next time he comes up to you with some kind of prediction of the future, you could just say to him, you know, with, with all love in your heart, you know, honey, it really concerns me when you say such things. And and I want to tell you why, you know, this is, this is what my church teaches because it's truth and it comes from sacred scripture. And so I would prefer it if there would be a way that you would allow me to pray with you, that God would stop these kinds of, of, Uh, events from happening in your life something along those lines might be a a tender way of talking about a potentially touchy topic how does that sound to you amy that
0: sounds great i love the ideas thank you i will be using them in the future thank you Well,
2: well good well thank you so much amy and you know what i'm gonna just lift up some prayers for you okay okay God bless you now. Bye bye. Yeah, that's hard because here, you know, there is that influence from his his uh, ancestral history. You know. Um, so yes. That, who knows? I don't know, Sue. Well, let's get so to Bill. Could, could, yeah. I'm
1: sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, that could be getting a little complicated there, um, because he does have those beliefs. Um, he's not baptized, uh, and if he doesn't adhere to our faith, it doesn't mean anything to him right um what these warnings are but i did like the idea that she she was sprinkling his side of the bed with holy water i (laughs) I like that because you know what it said to me he might have more dreams if she didn't do that you know what i mean (laughs) who you know who knows um that kind of protecting but out of the love of her heart, she's praying really in a way by doing that, she's praying for the protection of her husband by yeah. doing that act of, of sprinkling in the side of his bed with holy water. But uh I just was thinking that when she said it, I thought, yeah, you know, I wonder how how many more dreams he might have had
2: if you if you didn't do that. That's true. did sprinkle the side of the bed. So yeah. And another nice practice that I've heard some people do, especially when they're concerned about children, is they will put a miraculous medal between mm-hmm. the the um you know, the box spring and the mattress.
3: uh, Oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So these kinds of things, you know, what we understand is that it's not the object itself that has the power. It's the blessing on it. So we just want to make that clear, too. Well, let's get to Bill. He's in Ohio today listening to us via Living Bread Radio. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm
4: I'm fine. Um, My comment is about the receiving uh, of the Lost Coast. I have received it Several occasions it has fallen, and it even fell off the patent and onto the mm. onto the floor of the church. And this, so since then, I've only received it on the palm of my hand, and I have yeah. not had the house fall off my hand. But it did fall several times up my thumb, and I don't know why it happened, but it did happen. Yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things, because I'm suddenly one. I remember, as a young boy, we were sitting in Pontius and kneeling at the altar rail back in the early mid-60s pre-Vatican II when I was an altar boy from 64 to 68 during the transition, you know. <laughs> but back then, yeah. at the beginning, I had to learn everything in Latin. I I know yeah. <laughs>
2: So, Bill, you know, just a couple of things that I just want to say here and then Sue, you can respond. But number one, sometimes I think that we don't know how to receive on the tongue. And so the, there isn't enough uh, opportunity for the host to stay on our tongue. That could be one thing. The other thing is, I know, Sue, um, and, and here you are, you're an extraordinary minister. Sometimes extraordinary ministers are very reluctant to to place the host on the tongue, and so they they f- do not necessarily secure it uh, in the sense of placing it uh, deep enough to where it needs to have that where stability is provided for it. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, Bill, is if you have any kind of muscular issue, um, if you've suffered a stroke or uh, you've you know you have some kind of muscle deficiency there that would uh, inhibit. You to be able to maintain it if somebody places it on the tongue. Although I, I think that that would probably affect it even if you place the host in your mouth, but I'm not sure.
4: I am on disability, but it's for a, a nervous condition, a chronic depression. It goes back to my when I was in my teens. I, I've been on disability going on 40 years, but my I don't suffer from um, what you call maybe neurological like. Some people have Parkinson's disease or anything like that, no, but it's just that I do have this chronic condition where I'm unable to work a job. I haven't worked for many years, but other than that, you know, um, and it only happened at the streets. I I used to go to, I used to live in different areas in Akron. I grew up in never happened before, but the church here, where I go to the entire fall, it happened, like I said, yeah. twice. And that's, after the second time, I said, wow, I'm just going back to you, sitting on the hand, because it's so, it upsets you know, because, you know, you don't want that to happen.
2: Sure. And I, no. and I deeply respect that, because you have a deep respect for the Eucharist, and, of course, it is licit to receive in the hand. So anything that you want to add to Bill's comments?
1: Yeah, I think that, that uh, a lot of extraordinary ministers, they're, they're trying not to make the person uncomfortable. So they, they try not to touch the person's mouth, especially like during the pandemic when you have a big flu epidemic going on or something like that. People are very uh, mindful of that. They they don't really want a stranger to put their finger in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? So we try not to do that, and that can lead to the instability that you mentioned, Johnette, mm-hmm. Um it just doesn't sit on the tongue the way it should sit on the tongue. Right. In some cases, the people aren't really opening their mouth far enough, so that we could at least get it into right. there and mm-hmm. get it onto the tongue. Uh, you're really supposed to stick the tongue out of the mouth, mm-hmm. so that it'll go right onto the tongue. But That's a lot right. of times we don't we don't do that. So there's there's a lot of reasons why that could happen, and it's unfortunate. It really is very unfortunate, and, and that it would even fall on the floor, um, and fall you know off the patent and onto the floor. Uh, that's that's pretty bad too i've only i don't think i've ever had that that happen uh to me uh, but i have seen it happen in 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 the church uh yeah. to extraordinary ministers and to priests it, it sometimes that's what happens the person yes. closes their mouth too too quickly or something and the host drops out um so it can happen um and and receiving on the hand if that's if that's uh, going to make a difference for you then then I would say that to do that because because obviously it it upsets you that you would even call us about it. It upsets you that that uh, that the host dropped a few right. times on you. So yeah,
2: and it's and it's it's unfortunate when that happens, and it it is it is mm-hmm. a painful experience. So again, Bill, just kudos to you for your deep respect for the sacred species and your love of our Lord yes. Jesus Christ, and your deep respect for the sacrament itself. God bless you, Bill. Let's get to Craig. And friends, we want to hear from you, Eight three three two eight ewtn That's eight three three two eight eight three nine eight six. That's the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live, where we love having that holy conversation with you. Always want to remind you to get out to our website, womenofgrace.com. All kinds of good things going on there. Hey, Craig in Virginia Beach, Virginia, listening to us on Sirius XM Station 130. How are you today?
3: Good morning, Jeanette. I'm doing awesome. I am really blessed by the fact that I would have the opportunity to, to get with you today, especially it couldn't have been more appropriate for the way our Lord works, is that Wacky Wednesday. I really, I mean, it couldn't have been, I'm so involved and in, I'm, I'm so often involved in wacky things, i learned to just say, okay, Lord, when you open the door, I go through it, and, and wow, there you are today. When I came out of the doctor's office, I tuned you in, and, and that was the first thing that was up on XM today. So... Uh, the stuff that I'm doing are so so relates to what you're talking about here, and it and it's uh, I'm involved in a variety of things, and in, in particular with Church Militant and with our priests in the church. Some of them being a little controversial, that but, but yet I, I, I'm really pushing for this issue because of the fact that the unity, the the faith, the unification of our faith. When our Lord encouraged us and told Peter that. You know, when all this craziness is over with, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but when all this craziness is over with, you need to bring your brethren back together. And I believe that time is truly upon us, and our and our priests and our religious needs to needs to exercise that. I think in a more profound way and be in the streets, bringing it together. So to tie it together, with what you're talking about here, I think, on the supernatural side of it. I'm leading a convoy uh, on the 29th, starting out of Virginia Beach. Take our border I'm leading that convoy out of the East Coast into Eagle Pass, Colorado, or I'm sorry, Eagle Pass, Texas, and and we will be in Eagle Pass on the 3rd of February. And our priest, I've got priests. I'm 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 pushing for Bishop Strickland to join us. And the the you might say the dark side of this story is that. In America we're suffering under the intrusions of these of these spirits that are following these people who believe in the in the ideas of Santa Morte, you know, is that the Santa Morte is a you know is that is that worship of the death spirit. And and unfortunately when when now we've got we're staring in the face this curse. We've chosen death as the Lord admonished us not to do, or else we'll be cursed in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. And we have the moral authority under our priests, under our our sanctity that we offer as—and I'm glad you brought up the Eucharist, because that holiness that we enjoy, that holiness that we're imbibed with through the receiving of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, enables us to confront these spirits. And Catholics—I work very, very widely in the evangelical Protestant community as well— and I'm really so encouraged by the evangelical Protestants that they are, they are really, their heart really tells them they're looking for this leadership role that is being exercised by some of, our, some of our very prominent priests that are doing this. And my buddy, YG Nightstorm, who you might know, because he's a very close friend of EWTN, YG is now leading Church Militant, and he and I are working very closely together. He's going to join me. On this convoy going into Texas, and we're going to promote. We're going to bring to to the forefront the Catholic leadership, so that our Catholic laity needs to be informed about what the threat is about this dark spirit, these forces. That-
2: well, and Craig, you know, I just, I just, I just want to um, talk a little bit about what you're saying here, and I think Sue, uh, you will agree as I do with Craig. That there are powers and principalities at work. Now you've isolated one, Craig, that you're talking about, uh, but there's a whole host of powers and principalities that are at work in our world today. I I, I think that we have placed ourselves underneath, uh, you know, a, a, a virulent spirit with the way in which we murder children in the womb. I think that that is a is a is a continuing kind of of um, acceptance. Uh, of of uh, spiritual reality that is abhorrent to God. And so those spirits, like you were talking earlier, you know, Sue, we can invite spirits in by the very laws that we adopt in our nation. So I I would say that, you know, some of the cultural decisions that we've made have opened doorways. Some of the religious practices uh, that go unchecked uh, also invite spirits in. Uh, And we as individuals invite spirits in every time we commit a sin, especially mortal sin. You know, when you uh, look at what uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola tells us, you know, there is there's a spirit attached to every sin, especially the seven capital sins, and those are strong spirits. So all together, we are in a day and time that I think sacred scripture has predicted about. We're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, St. Paul talks about the last days in his letters to Timothy. He says there will be terrible times in the last days. And then he lists a whole host of adjectives to describe the people that will live in that period of time. And he said this, he said, but as for you, fulfill your mission as an evangelist. And I think that we do have to take action today. Now, how God leads us and guides, this is going to be different. Uh, but there you have it. I think that that uh, is, is something that we really need to take to heart and see what we can do. And yes, of course, we need leadership. There's no question about it. And the lay faithful gain, I think, a lot of courage uh, and, and may I say fortitude and perseverance as well when they uh, have strong leadership that are helping them to make very tough decisions. What do you say, Sue? Absolutely. Absolutely. We,
1: we do need that leadership in the church. Uh, we do need to also become people, more people of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to want to reach for, oh, I'm going to say this prayer and that prayer and I'm going to banish all the demons. No. First of all, Jesus does that. That's Jesus's role. And you got to be very careful with those kinds of prayer um, in, in deliverance. There's um, a very good book out that, that's, that's uh, prayers of deliverance for the laity. Uh, which was written by an exorcist. Um, And I think that that, that's something that people need to be very careful about. Uh, It's just who's going out there and what kind of of commands you're giving. You need to be careful of that Um, because the the devil recognizes his authority. And that's why it's so important that our priests and our bishops uh, really get out there. I, I so pray for our exorcists. I'm so proud of them the work that they do how many of them are now coming forward you're you're reading more about them they're speaking out a lot more and you know what by doing that johnette you know the kind of people that get attracted to these exorcists so many people who have mental challenges believe that they're attacked by demons and these priests have to deal with all that and they're Mm -hmm. overworked and i just see them as such heroes they stand toe to toe with the most malevolent force ever known to mankind And they have no weapon. They don't have RPGs. They don't have any of that stuff, right? (laughs) You know what their weapon is? It's faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. They stand toe-to-toe with that, and that's their weapon, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just think, you know, yeah, we do. We need that kind of leadership. But we as Christians need to resort more to prayer and asking Jesus to help us in this battle and to strengthen us.
2: That's true, and and, and you know, and, and what does that begin with? It begins with ourselves, you know, our prayer. Yes. It begins with our change of heart, our conversion of heart, on an ongoing basis. Well, I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of you today, friends. Uh, we do appreciate you. We're looking forward to being with you again on Wacky Wednesday next Wednesday. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow. So if you want to call in with your questions uh, tomorrow. Uh, because you didn't get on today, we'll be happy to address them at that time. Looking forward to having you with us at that time. And also want to encourage you to get out to our website, womenofgrace.com. I was telling you just about a few of the events. Don't forget, mark your calendar. Set your DVR for Saturday night at 10 p.m. for EWTN. God bless you now. Bye-bye. That's Eastern time. Bye-bye.